0: everybody. With the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suders. We are the owner and producer of CES, the world's largest, the world's most influential tech event. And we're here to help you get CES ready. The event is January 7th through the 10th, 2020, as always in Las Vegas. And today we're tackling the topic of smart cities. And lest you think this is too forward-looking, consider this stat. Global smart cities spending is expected to reach $34 billion in 2020. $34 billion. That's globally, of course, but it is smart cities dedicated spending. And maybe it's not that hard to imagine that big total when you consider how many sectors are involved in smart cities development, transportation, health, public safety, energy. And then you look at the technologies in place, the Internet of Things, 5G and connectivity. AI, big data, of course, as well. Plug that into the CES experience and what you get is a single location with the technologies, the solutions, the players, the key audiences that are advancing smart cities technology, both in the U.S. and around the world. So today, a pair of conversations, one with The Smart Cities Council, and you've met Jason Nelson before, he's the executive director there. The council is made up of major players in the tech sector, and heck, you could probably say major players in the corporate sector. Among the founding members of this group when it launched back in 2013, AT&T and Cisco. I will let that sink in so you can weigh the gravitas of the Smart Cities Council. Also, a discussion of where Smart Cities fit into coming tech trends. Our resident expert on trends and all things technology, Steve Koenig, who leads CTA's research team, will be here to talk about the role of Smart Cities, what to expect in the key technologies involved, as well as their developments and deployments around the world. All of that is coming up on this Smart Cities edition of CES Tech Talk. joining us once again today is a familiar face or familiar voice is probably the best way to put it jason nelson is executive director of the smart cities council jason great to talk with you again yeah glad to be back so here we are roughly a year after our last official conversation here on the podcast um how about a brief state of play where are we in the u.s right now in terms of smart city
1: developments and deployment so in 2019, the Smart Cities Council collected uh, over 200 different smart city projects from uh, cities around the country. Uh, you know, we have seen cities really cross the, the the chasm in terms of their planning. They're planning smart city projects all over the place. Um, and we're really excited about that momentum. We're seeing uh, cities engage multiple stakeholders, breaking down silos within their communities and, and pulling together uh, those types of projects and identifying. Those intersections of how they can collaborate uh, between various departments and utilities and universities mm-hmm. and military bases and ports and airports and all of the the, the great parts that make up our, our cities. Um, so we're we're seeing a lot of planning on that. Um, you know, I, I think we're still very early days in terms of the implementation of those plans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still working on how they're going to be able to uh, finance them and, and uh, you know, put them in place. But you know, the planning is happening today. So it's a, it's a really good time to be in the space. What do you
0: see the level of awareness being right now? Um, and I'm speaking of the, the public sector, right? Municipalities. You mentioned the military. Um, Maybe utilities to the extent that, 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 that that's yeah. a play as well. Um, significant increase in the last year or so, or are you already at a crit- critical mass where it's well understood?
1: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, citizens are waking up to the fact that technology is a huge enabler in helping uh, unlock potential in their communities, uh, whether that's economic development and growth or whether it's uh, solving problems, you know, you know traffic congestion, uh, trouble with parking, et cetera. So, you know, I, I, in a lot of the communities that we've worked with, uh, citizens groups are at the table, actually actively planning with the city leaders as they're building right. those plans. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of, of good awareness there um, in in uh, you know throughout North America and around the world. So general awareness is one thing. What about understanding of the value prop,
0: right? What smart cities deliver uh, to specific constituencies, whether that is a, a general consumer, right? the GPOp um, yeah. audience or if it is uh,
1: elected or career officials, right? Well, so the number one technology that we've seen uh, enable that we received uh, from from the cities that applied uh, were uh, digital citizen engagement. Uh, so transformation mm-hmm. of traditional city processes, uh, bringing them online, putting them in applications, uh, and and making it easier for the city to engage with the citizens. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty easy value prop for citizens to understand. And and when they're you know no longer having to circle the block to identify parking spaces, but are instead able to just uh, you know go and, and, and write to that parking space I, th- I think it's pretty easy for them to understand the value proposition
0: yeah and you throw in uh, monetary value right cost savings um, efficiencies et cetera um, let alone saving you know money on a stamp that you don't have to mail right Right. <laughs> Speaking right. of digital engagement right <laughs> but you get into what you're what you're saving um, I assume at some point on um,
1: taxes right I mean I guess it depends on the breakdown. Yeah, I mean, I think that the opportunity is going to be to reinvest those uh, savings, whether it's uh, you know manpower and assets or, or uh, you know direct savings through uh, processes that are eliminated, uh, consolidating. Uh, you know, equipment and, and, and software and services uh, between the various departments. I think it's really all about taking and redeploying that into more efficient ways of, of working and engaging the community. Mm-hmm. So one element of certainly is, is, is that
0: individual level of community by community, municipality by municipality. Another is the infrastructure in place. We talk about it regularly, the value of the potential, the platform technology of 5G. Mm-hmm. Um, give us an overview of, of of what you see right now and the critical nature of uh, fifth generation. So,
1: yeah, I mean, five G, I think is a is a foundational technology for the future of smart cities. It's, uh, you know, it is a, a wireless technology, but it's very much a wired technology. Uh, you know, all the way until that that very last mile, and so, mm. you know, cities are understanding that they need to build out their fiber deployments they realize that they need to uh, make sure that they're uh, creating equity in their connectivity throughout their communities and and it's not just about connecting that dense urban core but also getting out to some of those the the more suburban and exurban regions um, and then into you know the larger regional issues you know so we, we do see uh, you know that that fiber is being a key part of the infrastructure as well as that that 5g implementation that 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 Needs to happen in so many cities, and the carriers have been very good about, uh, uh, you know, lighting up cities and and, and starting that process. Uh, I think that there's a lot of work to go within communities in order to make them 5G ready. Mm-hmm. So we are working with a lot of those cities, helping them. Uh, we were just in Racine a couple of uh, months back. They were just uh, awarded a 5G uh, license by U.S. Cellular, and they're they're uh, working with them to implement that. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's an important part of the of of the future of, of uh, smart cities. I don't know that we've identified those key applications yet that are going to drive the adoption of five G. Mm-hmm. Um, but we saw that with four G as well, where you know the the lifts and Ubers and Airbnbs of the world didn't come until after we had that steady mobile connectivity of four G. And so mm-hmm. you know we are. Actively uh, looking at some of those really cool new technologies that are going to be driving the adoption of 5G. I think some of the ones that we've seen uh, are uh, some of the public safety applications. You know, being able to wire up a vehicle uh, and have uh, you know full uh, knowledge of officers' uh, health rate and vital signs, um, being able to uh, have cameras and body cameras on the ground, you know, live streaming uh, what the officers are seeing, uh, being, you know, so that's, I, I think, one really, you know, good application for the future that we're, we're taking a look at.
0: Jason, is it is it too simple to just delineate the infrastructure of smart cities into um on one hand, the network, right? The infrastructure that is what we just talked about. Let's say 5G and use that as, as the most most likely proxy. And then the other side is the sensorization of everything we see around us, the lights, the sidewalks, the streets, doors, buildings, whatever it might be. Uh, is that an oversimplification? I know it's far more nuanced on some level, but is that
1: is that accurate? Is it fair? So – when we look at it I, th- I think that a single application is able to justify the value and the expense of a sensor right so mm-hmm. if you're looking at it from a how does this technology get implemented into a city uh, you know those those sensors uh, those initial uh, communications are, are are fine. You know that that makes sense uh, when you're rolling out a smart parking application or a uh, you know whatever. Uh, the 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 harder part is when you start talking about a 5G implementation. Um, you know there's a lot of significant network equipment that needs to get in 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 uh, implemented into the city in order to make that a reality. And so uh, there are a lot of pieces of that infrastructure equation that would not be justified by a single application. And so what cities are need to do is come together as departments, bring public safety, public works, transportation, health and human services all together so that all the data that they're collecting through these sensors, through these different applications, uh, and, and starting to think about 5G as that foundational level of technology that is really going to help propel the city forward and unlock new opportunities. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about how
0: the Smart Cities Coalition and and your member companies and others, uh, really the tech sector at large, is engaging with others. You also have a program just about to kick off again um,
1: about getting that engagement back to you, hearing from these stakeholders. Dive into that, if you would. Yeah, we're about to kick off our 2020 Readiness Challenge. That's where uh, we offer cities an opportunity to come in tell us about their plans. uh, And going through that application process is a really educational experience for a lot of them. Um, There's an opportunity there for them to go step-by-step and plan the projects online uh, in our application, uh, help them connect stakeholders, identify key drivers of those projects, Push forward with uh, uh, the the metrics for success, and 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 really start to flush out exactly what needs to happen in their community in order to, for that project to be successful. Um, we then uh, take that data and uh, help them identify mentorship opportunities. You know, cities that are doing something similar, uh, so that they can learn from each other and actually uh, exchange data and information, and 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 maybe even in some regional cases identify opportunities for aggregation of. Projects in in similar communities, so we're excited about that. I, I we're we're going to be opening up uh, here in the next couple of weeks uh, the ability for cities to come in and apply, and uh, we look forward to having another a couple dozen cities complete that application for this year. So that's a 2020
0: challenge, and what a great round number, right? 2020, and pick your technology uh, that was on the way in years past, and and you could probably line it up with some 2020 t- style prediction. But what is the next Big number date in your mind, Jason, as far as smart cities deployment, adoption, actuality,
1: realization. Pick it. You know, I'm really focused on 2020. I think I think we've got a real opportunity here to get some of the these foundational, transformational projects off the ground. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot of things uh, that we see uh, that are happening right now, right here. Um, if we we in 2019, worked with the state of Texas to identify uh, 19 different projects that are going to be a part of their resiliency push to help them uh, move forward after uh, Hurricane uh, reconstruction and, and really right. create more resilient networks in their communities. So that's something that uh, is coming. We, we see a lot of momentum, uh, you know, here in Puerto Rico, as well as uh, in mm-hmm. Florida uh, as, and the Bahamas and in California, responding to the wildfires and uh, in in Baltimore uh, in response to the cyber attack. So resiliency, I think, is going to be a key theme that, that 2020 is going to uh, really, I, I think, be a, a transformational year for.
0: Yeah, so you hit two... Uh, Key topics uh, at CES 2020, Jason. Smart cities one, of course, which, which is the theme here, but also resilience and the idea that these two are, are paired and um, inexorably linked. What is your approach to CES 2020, knowing you, you can't see it all and talk to everyone and, and, and touch every potential application? Uh, how are you going into it?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm excited to see the technology, but I'm also excited to have a lot of conversations with the leading experts. I mean, it, it's a great show to be able to connect with those uh, city leaders as well as uh, the technology leaders and understand what the business models are. How is this, you know, industry going to move forward? And uh, I'm, I'm, I think that there's going to be some really good stories to tell here this year. Uh, so you're a
0: major Detroit sports fan uh, <laughs> by January. Seventh first day of CES 2020. Where are the Detroit Lions going to be?
1: You know, I I gave up on uh, Lions football a long time back. I can only have so many MVP Hall of Famers retire in the uh, prime of their career. Come on I the give Lions up. are trending, man. They're they're, they're going to do better, uh, but I I. Uh, yeah we'll see <laughs> eight seven and one i'm just throwing
0: numbers out there <laughs> there you go i J- think that's about right jason nelson not only a detroit sports fanatic but also executive director of the smart cities council jason always great to have you with us here thanks so much thank you hey with us today is my colleague and pal that's not an official title steve koenig with the consumer technology association steve is the vice president of research here, Steve. Great to have you with us as always, my friend. Glad to be here. I know it's uh, hard to catch you when you're not on the international road leading up to CES. So it's a real privilege to have you actually in the studio with us today. So
2: thanks, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're diving into 5G. We had this conversation around this time last year, and you and I are constantly talking about the progress of 5G, the applications of it, um, and your view as as a trend spotter, so to speak. And that's that's a casual term for you, I know. Um, but it seems like a lot has happened in just the last 12 months as far as the actuality of 5G.
2: Well, I'm glad you've noticed. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of other people have noticed uh, all the activity from you know, the four major carriers here in the U.S., of course, as they light up 5G networks around the country. But you know, a lot of other countries as well. And there is this global race to 5G because countries around the world, the U.S. included – they really want to realize that early mover advantage because while we're talking about the fifth generation of wireless connectivity, 5G is the first wireless generation that will ultimately be led by the enterprise or business, which means that 5G is, is literally going to overlay the entire economy mm-hmm. and intersect and impact with every economic sector.
0: Yeah. So tell me how we're doing so far. In casual terms, you hear a lot about the progress uh, of the major
2: economies in Asia. How's the U.S. doing? We're doing quite well, I'm pleased to say. Uh, and in fact, we're, we're finally getting some support on the policy front from the, the federal at the federal and state level. I think more and more stakeholders are understanding the importance, but the 5G rollout here in the U.S. continues apace. Uh, I think it'll gather even more momentum in 2020. Mm-hmm. But it's important for listeners to understand that, that 5G is a little bit different from previous generations in that it requires a lot more infrastructure. Uh, so
0: dive into that, right?
2: Yeah. So what what I'm talking about is just, just a lot more antennas uh, of all different shapes and sizes. Everybody's familiar with the omnipresent cell towers that we see dotting the landscape. But just imagine just very small uh, antennas placed on the side of buildings, on on lampposts, for example. And so what this does is it helps render 5G across three different spectrum bands, essentially low, medium, and high. Mm -hmm. And high, you'll hear the, the term millimeter wave. And this is where you need a lot of density because millimeter wave is what is kind of the secret sauce of 5G in terms of like really, really fast speeds. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those that millimeter wave uh, signal can't travel that far. So you need a a robust density uh, of antennas. So what I'm saying is there's a lot more infrastructure and therefore it's going to take several years to really fully flesh out and deploy 5G networks across the country.
0: So a couple of uh, milestones. In 2019 and on into 2020, Steve. One is the actual infrastructure going in place, which you said, and, and the major carriers are now on their way toward that. Correct?
2: That's right. Yeah. In fact, a lot of them. Uh, I would I would characterize it as dozens of of U.S. cities where we see the first 5G networks starting to light up. Okay.
0: And then the other milestone, and this is a bit insular, right? Looking inward here uh, within the tech sector, but uh, your research team for the first time is putting out. 5G product sales across a category, right? We're now starting to be able to measure
2: 5G products coming into the market where consumers can adopt. That's true. And and chief among them are, of course, mobile handsets or smartphones. And so our forecast that was updated just back in July, and by the way, uh, listeners need to understand we'll update these data uh, (laughs) heading into CES uh, in January. But our current forecast calls for just just 2.1 million handsets, uh, 5G handsets, shipping this year in 2019. 2.1 but million out of what's out of about handset? roughly 170 million. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so you know, a fraction, a fraction, right. But that's going to change substantially uh, in 2020. As I mentioned, I think we're, we're growing the network apace here in 2019, but 2020 is when we'll start to gather even more momentum uh, with building out the network across America. Mm-hmm. And we'll also witness a tenfold increase in the number of 5G handsets shipping. So from about 2 million to about 20 million. Mm-hmm. And if you need evidence for this, I mean, just look no further than it's it's widely... I believe that, that Apple's first 5G handset will will be announced uh, probably in the fall of 2020. Yeah.
0: So, so I'm going to pull out the, the most overused line from Field of Dreams ever, right? Which is, if you build it, they will come. Um, in this application, Steve, what do you need to build? It's not really building the devices, is my impression, as much as it is building the network. And that's when consumers will come that way, when it's available.
2: Is that fair, though? That, yeah, that's very fair. And uh, this is a good junction to, to mention that we're not just flipping a switch from 4G to 5G. <laughs> right, right. So, so 4G is going to exist uh, alongside 5G for a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I would say five, six, maybe maybe 10 years, but as we flesh out that network. So if you're in an urban area where 5G service is offered and you subscribe you can probably enjoy that mostly, let's say, in the the downtown area. Just for for to give a generalization. Sure. But if you Should went farther, metro, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you go farther afield, out in the burbs, if you like, you know, that's probably when you'll switch over to a four G signal, and that'll be, you know, seamless to to the user. But that's just maintaining continuity of service. But whilst you're in that five five G zone, you'll enjoy near gigabit speeds, which today on 4G, we can muster maybe 30 to 50 megabits. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're talking near gigabit, which would be hundreds and hundreds of megabits, uh, up up to a thousand with 5G. So the difference will be palpable in your experience. And probably uh, at the vanguard of that experience, I would say any kind of streaming video yeah. is going to be a lot smoother uh, on that 5G network. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to take time, but uh, but we'll get there.
0: So if any of you have actually seen Steve in action in one of his presentations around the world or at CES, uh, you can always count on at least one Star Wars reference somewhere in there. Um, often it's multiple. Like when you get to two or three, like that's what I know, Steve, you're really rolling.
2: But I'm hitting my stride at that
0: point. <laughs> when we're speaking in practical terms... Um, you know let's say 3 years from now uh the the latest final star wars trilogy movie is out um download speeds now versus download speeds let's say let's you, know, you tell me the window i'm i'm saying 2 or 3 years but for an fx heavy cg heavy graphically dominated movie like that uh, what you can get now versus then
2: yeah so we're we're talking about minutes become seconds mhm is really what we're looking at so a uh, two, two and a half hour movie, maybe take five to eight minutes on the current network for GLTE, you know, that's probably less than five seconds uh, <laughs> on, on a 5G network. So, so super fast, uh, super fast. And this is also a good point to mention with speeds like that, a lot of people are referring to the 5G world as kind of the post-smartphone era. Uh, and the reason is, is because with speeds like that, we're going to be able to bring forward a lot of innovation on entirely new platforms like AR glasses, wireless VR is a couple of examples. So expect to have a lot more connected uh, accoutrements, you know, if you, if you will. Uh, that, that we're wearing and using so it may not just be our smartphones anymore uh, we may be having, we may carry with us a lot of other uh, connected devices.
0: Mm-hmm. What about the devices that we won't carry but we will engage with at such a deep level and I'm heading Steve towards smart cities right The idea of 5g as a platform technology, a critical technology and that's uh, a foundation upon which some massive application like smart cities
2: will will sit, correct? Well, that's true. And so when we talk about 5G really overlaying the entire economy and, and, and intersecting and impacting different economic sectors, mm-hmm. uh, smart cities is, is one of the, the dynamics embedded therein. Right. And uh, we describe 5G's uh, overlay of the entire economy in, in two broad areas. One is massive IoT, the other is critical IoT. Allow me to explain. So, so massive IoT has to do with lots and lots and lots of endpoints, but little bits of data. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a temperature reading or a simple on-off orientation.
0: A bit of the sensorization.
2: Sensorization, okay. exactly. And so, in smart cities, you might see different sensors you know, dedicated to different things, weather or, or an optical sensor measuring traffic patterns, uh, these kinds of things, just just dotted all over the urban landscape uh, for public safety, for transportation, uh, weather monitoring, all kinds of things. So critical IoT, on the other hand, uh, deals with endpoints, but a lot more data. Uh, And this data is very sensitive ergo critical IoT. And so what that looks like in a smart cities context is fleets of self-driving vehicles operating in and around the urban environment. We don't want these self-driving vehicles to hesitate for a millisecond. And so the industry term is ultra-reliable low-latency communication or URLLC. So listeners will hear more about URLLC probably in the future. But smart cities is a great example because it's kind of a hybrid of these two main application areas uh, that will describe how 5G intersects with the broader economy in the coming years. Mm
0: -hmm. It's it's interesting, Steve. I want to wind up about where we started, right, And, and the idea of a global race. We talk about a global race for 5G. But there's also you know, a, a, a fleet of other races, so to speak, for smart city applications, for self-driving vehicles, for you know, a widespread drone network, for example, for digital health, for, for AR, VR. I'll take a deep breath and just force myself to pause there. So these individual races, but they're really all pinned, at least on a national level, uh, to what a nation is able to do with 5G. Is that fair? Or is that an oversimplification?
2: Well, that's uh, not an oversimplification. It's fact. It's fact, and this is why it's it's really important that uh, the U.S. maintain leadership uh, in this race to 5G, because as I mentioned, 5G is going to, to intersect and impact every facet of the economy, and that's everything from entertainment to agriculture, mm-hmm. uh, and what I'm saying is, is that things that we conceive of that are like science fiction to us today uh, will be brought into reality uh, in a large part because of the capabilities of the advanced 5G network. Yeah. And so things like uh, and he- here comes your, your first uh, Star Trek reference. <laughs> but we if we think about Dr. McCoy and the advanced technology for diagnosing and so forth. I mean think about uh, your physician or a specialist using advanced AR technology for uh, an exam or something maybe that's looking for uh, for skin cancer or something. So they're mm-hmm. You're gonna. We're gonna see all this stuff uh, come to fruition uh, in this this next decade, and it's gonna be exciting. Just just thinking about all the innovation we've seen in the past ten years. Looking ahead, I can't wait to see a lot of the things that I attribute to sci-fi today become part of my daily life. Yeah. Uh, let's
0: end on that optimistic and enthusiastic note, Steve. I thought you were going to talk about how much better 5G will allow you to follow your beloved Wolverhampton Wolves from the English Premier League.
2: Oh, yes. Well, that too. That too.
0: (laughs) Steve Koenig is vice president of research here at the Consumer Technology Association, and you can catch him at CES 2020, one of the best presentations reliably year after year is the Sunday afternoon trends presentation that Steve and his team execute. But appreciate the preview, Steve, for the deep dive, and always a pleasure, my friend.
2: Same here, thank you.
0: Coming up next time on CES Tech Talk, an important topic, regardless of your place in the tech sector, there is a trade war underway. The US and China are, of course, the key players, and we are diving into the cost of the tariffs that the U.S. has now put in place, the effects for the worse on consumers, on businesses, and the American economy itself. That is coming up next time on CES Tech Talk. So we are here to help you get CES ready. What we can ask you to do, advise you to do, strongly encourage you to do, is to subscribe to the CES Tech Talk podcast. That way you won't miss a single episode as we head toward the big show. And the dates, For CES 2020, January 7th through the 10th in Las Vegas. The information you need to get yourself ready is at ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our true superstars, our executive producer, Tina Anthony, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Souders. Let's talk tech again soon.